Ananian. What's going to happen tomorrow, Tom? Talk to me. I don't know. I, I, I take the Giants at face value. Well, we'll know. Next week. Next week's game will dictate whether or not the tickets for the following week are going to be going like the Jets tickets at five bucks a piece. I don't think it'll get that bad. Oh. Fudge. Only I didn't say fudge. I said the word. The big one. The queen mother of dirty words. The car doctor. So driving it and driving it to run a drive cycle are two different things. Ah, fragile. It must be Italian. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. And I bet you did. Hey, welcome. Ronnie Annie and the Car Doctor here. The uh, Car Doctor phone number is always 855-560-9900. Give us a call. Tell us your car problem. We will solve it for you. If we're not here, leave a message. It's a 24-hour messaging service, 855-560-9900, and someone will call you back and uh, get you in the lineup for the next live show. We are on the network Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, and uh, we then go out across the uh, nation and, um, you know, Internet and podcasts and uh, so on and so forth. But uh, you can call 855-560-9900. Whether we're on in your market or not, you can be in Australia. We've got listeners in Australia and Saudi Arabia and England and all points in between and further south and west and north. Um, we've actually recorded listeners in Russia, which kind of boggles my mind, um, the fact that people in, 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 in Russia are actually listening to the car doctor, which makes me wonder when they're going to accuse me of being in cahoots with Donald Trump, but that's a whole other story. Um, maybe Putin's up to it. So um, on the international front, um, I wanted to use that as my segue in. I was reading the Wall Street Journal this week, and I love the Wall Street Journal. The one thing I like about the Wall Street Journal, the big thing is it always says, please turn to the next page. But that's beside the point. FTC claims Volkswagen mobile phones missing. The U.S. Federal Trade Commission alleged in a federal court filing that Volkswagen AG erased or lost 23 mobile phones of key employees, calling the lost phones a bright red flag in the wake of last year's disclosure of the car maker's decade-long emissions cheating scandal. I mean, this is like this is like getting to be politicians. It's like you think they're running for the country here. Uh, do you realize that over an emission scandal that some people are saying, oh, it's not a big deal, they've lost 23 phones? The, the phones that contain key information on who called what and said who to what and text messages and so on? I got to tell you, I don't think the future looks so bright and rosy for Volkswagen. This is out of the Wall Street Journal. This was last Sunday, that's December 10th. So um, just... I don't know, boy. If you're driving a Volkswagen now, you got to be looking over your shoulder, wondering how long you're going to have that Volkswagen around to uh, to, to really like. Wow, just boggles my mind. Anyway, um, this radio show is for you. This radio show is about fixing your car. If you're new, thanks for stopping by. If you're old, thanks for being sticking around. Um, I always believe that uh, you got to be here for everybody, and that's what I'm trying to do. And talk to you about your car and its problems. I love the emails. I love all the comments, good and bad. 
Um, I get some bad ones. I get it. You know what? I'm not everybody's cup of tea. Oh, well, move on. Um, or stick around and maybe I'll convert you. You never know. Um, it could happen. But uh, I really am here just for you. I just want to talk to you about your carnage problem, and that's what I've been doing these past 25-plus years. It's going on 26 now. I think we're about to hit 27. Um, I'm losing count. But um, it's all about you and your car, and that's really what this radio show is. Down around the bottom of the hour, we're going to be joined by Rob McBride. He's from All Data. We're going to talk a little bit about service information and the need for it and some of the changes All Data is doing to help both the professional and the DIYer. We're going to talk a little bit about DIY subscriptions. So if you've got a car guy in your life and you're looking for that perfect Christmas gift, stick around, bottom of the hour, shush them out of the room, and send them out for, for, for ice cream. And um, bring them back about 10 minutes later after the bottom. We'll, we'll have an address for you. You can, you know, for all that information for that last-minute gift idea coming up for this holiday season. But anyway, let's kick the garage doors open. Let's get right into it. Let's go to Brian in Bethlehem, PA. Kind of fitting. We got Bethlehem in the holiday show, isn't it? You like the way I did that? Yeah. So, but um, anyway, Brian, how can I help you, sir? Merry Christmas to uh, you and your family, and just wanted to wish you a happy holidays. I have a... Uh, 2002 Jeep Grand Cherokee, and my wife and I were coming back from Virginia last weekend, and the check engine light came on with the generic code P0455. Right, okay. And it's a large 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 EVAP leak. Yeah, large EVAP leak. Um, You know, by the way, I should mention, when you check with an OBD2 scan tool, I assume that's what you're using, a generic tool? Yes. Do you know that is the preferred way to scan for a check engine light? Really? I did not know that. Well, and here's the, here's the reasoning. You know, OBD2 is, think of it as the federal watchdog for emissions, where the manufacturers might be more lenient. OBD2 is always looking to see, are, is the vehicle in emission compliance? The manufacturer kind of doesn't want to admit whether or not it's emission compliance. I mean, look at Volkswagen for the past 10 years. All right? But, you know, OBD2 is, is the software that's always watching to see if, if Chrysler, in this case a Jeep, if Jeep is your operating system like Windows, then OBD2 yeah. is your Norton antivirus. It's watching to make sure the system is solvent and stable and doing what it's supposed to do. In the shop, I, I will always grab my dinky piece of junk OBD2 scanner first time every time. It, it tells me what direction to go. All right. Yeah, that's the, uh, that's what I use this scanner for because I'm a car I'm a car wholesaler and I use it to do uh, like you were talking about before drive cycles. So right. That's mainly what I use it for, for okay. uh, so I can do the yeah. drive cycles and get the cars ready for a mission. It makes my job a lot easier. So you're doing it right using OBD two P zero four fifty five. If that's the only fault you've got, Brian. Yep. And, and you know it's a, it's a Chrysler. It's real easy to say, oh, it's got a bad leak detection pump. It's it's got a bad this. It's got a bad that. Chryslers have their share of EVAP problems, but the fact is, a large leak on one of these is usually one of three things. It's either somebody left the gas cap off, and I'll admit that on this one, it can be a loose gas cap. All right, uh, it can either it can be the EVAP hoses coming out of the canister leading up to the engine, or any point in between. They get porous. And they will they will allow a loss of vacuum or they will allow just a leak so that it'll trip that. So you've got to look at just all the rubber hoses you can. I realize there's some hard shell plastic stuff in between here. And then the last is a little is a little hard to test unless you've got a smoke machine and that would be a purge solenoid. The purge solenoid, they've been known to leak and that will create even though it's driven shut, that will create a leak against the engine. 
and when it pulls vacuum on the system, it will record you know loss of vacuum or no vacuum, and that's how it comes up with the idea that it's a large leak. If this was a 442 and a 455, 442 is a small leak which progressed into a large leak. If it was a 442 and then a 455, I'd start thinking about a leak detection pump. Okay, you know something that didn't pass Moxie, it it it, it failed slowly. But generally, a large leak and only a large leak, either it's staring you in the face, somebody left the gas cap off, or you've got a purge solenoid issue. Do you have access to a smoke machine? Yes. Uh, the shop that I use has uh, okay. uh, that, so I could take it there. Because I did, uh, that's what I thought first, the gas cap. So what I did, I went and I got a, a new uh, gas cap, and I uh, placed that on there, and I drove it, and the same thing, about 500 miles, about 200 miles later, the uh, check engine light came back on okay. with the same code. Okay, so yeah, it's, it's, it's time to smoke it. Now, on a, on a Chrysler, there may not be an EVAP test port, or the EVAP test port may be in a bad spot, so you're going to end up pulling the line at the purge solenoid, plug your smoke machine into that, and feed your smoke going backwards. So if you do that, Keep in mind, you're going to test everything but the purge solenoid. Okay, I got you. All right. So the way you're going to test the purge solenoid is to take off the feed that goes to the engine, all right, and and smoke towards the purge. So put a short piece of rubber hose, put the smoke machine into that, smoke towards the purge. If the purge valve is closed... We should see no smoke, and the ball should drop in the machine, or the flow meter should come to zero, whatever style machine they're using. Gotcha. All right. Now, is that a, would that be an expensive uh, repair if I had to replace that? Or the purge? No. The, yeah. I, last time I bought one, I think they were under a hundred bucks. They're not terrible. Oh, okay. Yeah. Spoken like a true oh, spoken like a true wholesaler, Brian. Way to go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's my wife. It's my wife's winter car, so yeah. I. Well, you know, I, no, I get it. it. Oh. She's had it for since ten thousand miles, so you know it's. Right. And everybody can't believe it's got two hundred and two thousand miles, but I keep right. telling them, well, you change the oil every three thousand miles, and you maintain it. That's how you know. That's how all your my your cars uh, last so long. And, and the fact that you can do that in Bethlehem, PA, and and you know it's 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 going on fourteen, fifteen years old with all the salt and the and you know the the snow removal material they put out on the roads out there. Uh, you know, you're staying on top of it. That's a sign of a guy trying well, to take care of like, a car. Well, I'm just like, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm anal about it. As soon as it snows, it goes right to the car. After it's done snowing, it goes right to the car wash. All my cars get that done. The undercarriage gets washed and everything, spray yep. them all off just to get all that crud and road stuff off. Yep, 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 yep. So, so. all right. Well, thank you very much for the information. You have a happy and safe holidays, and I enjoy the show very much. Thank you, Brian, and I enjoy being here for you, and Merry Christmas to you and yours. I'm Ron Anany and The Car Doctor. We're going to pull over and take a pause. We'll be back right after this. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Now, that's a repeat, Mr. Ray. That's the same bumper music twice in the same show. You know, no, I didn't we hear... Use that in the open. But, you know, I didn't, hear, I didn't hear Snoopy's Christmas this week. You heard it last week. 
I know, but I like Snoopy's Christmas. We know. And and I didn't hear... Maybe, maybe you need to be nice to us. We didn't hear any chipmunks. <laughs> we're, we're not done yet with the hour. Okay, just checking. <laughs> no. I want my Christmas. Uh, anyway, Ron and Andy, the car doctor, 855-560-9900. Um, let me just put my own plug in, please. If you're listening via podcast, subscribe. Hit subscribe on your player. Uh, we're watching our subscribe counts, and they're going up, as you would expect. And it does help us as we, uh, you know, uh, conduct the business side of this radio show and go to our sponsors and uh, makes them happy. And it lets us stick around as we, uh, you know, continue to do so and uh, continue to grow and be here for you. So um, it's a simple thing. Just click subscribe. It helps our cause. Let's get over to Steve in Long Island, 05 Ford Explorer. Reverse on transmission problems. Steve, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Good afternoon, Ron. Long time no speak. Yes, sir. We had... uh conversation back in the day with a 97 Stratus you helped me with. I appreciate that. Oh, you're very welcome. What's going on today? Uh, basically, what's happening on this, uh, it's an XLT uh, 2005 with about 80,000 miles on it. And the reverse, um, if you put it in reverse, it's like, you, it goes like as fast as you're walking. You never feel any kind of a, you know, if you hit gas or anything, it just kind of drags along. Um, if it's in forward, you know, no problem. When, and, when you say it's it's slow, Steve, what, if you if you step on the gas, you just can't accelerate? Exactly. I mean, it'll just keep on dragging along. Just, I mean, and it, you're lucky if it keeps moving. It just, But it's very, very, like, there's no gripping effect going on. Okay. So it's, it sounds like the trans is slipping in reverse. Yeah, exactly. The reverse part of it, I mean, it almost sometimes doesn't work. You've got to really hit the gas, like, a couple of times to rev it up, and then you'll get a little bit of a pull. You never feel like the wheels will spin or anything like that. Okay. Um, what have you done to it so far to to try and dope what it What I did was, is, well, there's no dipstick on it, I mean, with that right. transmission, so you can't check fluid. So I got a T30 socket, went in there and, and drained a little bit out, looked at it, and it was burnt looking. Uh, so I knew right there I had a tranny issue going on. I didn't want to go any further as far as taking it out and getting it fixed with the amount of miles on it. So it's kind of been just sitting there, and I'm wondering whether or not to throw a transmission with they're telling me 2,500 into it, uh, or what do you think is the best way to go? Well, I, I, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head because of the mileage. You know, there's more than a few bulletins out there for delayed shifting or hard shifting or problems in reverse. Um, one of them, 0521-8, comes to mind. Um, problems they had it was specific mechanical construction of the trans with some modifications they made to internals. So re- reversing this trans is a problem. Heck, forward in this trans is a problem. Uh, to be honest with you, this trans is why we used to kiddingly say it was a Ford Exploder, uh, you know, not an Explorer. <laughs> uh, you know, so, and I like the Explorers. I really do. I like Ford as a product. Just every 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 car has its 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 picadillo. Like every person has their problems. It's just it is what it mm-hmm. is. So I, I think the bigger approach has to be. You know, you got to take a step back and look at the whole vehicle. Let's say it's twenty five hundred. Heck, let's say they have a problem and it's three grand to put a trans in this car. Mm-hmm. What's the rest of the car like? All right. Uh, I'd say very good to very good good. But the problem is, is that. You got the family riding it, and it's it's the the family vehicle for the wife and kids. And I'd rather, if I'm going to throw three thousand into it, I'd rather try and trade it in and, and move on. You know what I mean? You know. And then is this is this a four liter e motor? Is this a cam? Is this a twin cam motor? Do you it's know? The, it's the four point oh six uh, cylinder 
Well, there's there was two four O's. It was a K and an E. One was a chain. One was not. You know, and okay, it, I'm not it, positive on that. If it's a chain motor, then it's got issues where the ch- the timing chain cassettes went bad. And if you think the trans is a nightmare to do, that makes that makes the engine rework look like you know a walk in the park. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, and and I always I always kind of go there, Steve. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a great believer in the what if game. What if I put this trans in? What could happen next? And am I prepared? Exactly. Am That's I pre- am I prepared to pay for it? Because only an idiot would think they're going to put a transmission in the car. And I'm not saying you are by any stretch of the imagination. No, no. But, you know, only an idiot would sit there and think I'm going to put a trans in a car that's 12 years old with 80,000 miles on it. It's going to run forever with little or no maintenance. All, mm-hmm. all you're doing is you're just maintaining it up to this point, getting ready for the next thing. You know what? Exactly. Maybe maybe you, maybe you're in a financial spot where you can throw twenty five hundred, three grand, a chunk at, at at the car, whatever the car is, and, and it works for you. But if you're in a spot where you can replace the vehicle, you got to think about it. So, you know, that being said, put a trans in it. There's three grand. Let's call it three. It needs, let's say it's a timing chain motor. It needs timing chain cassettes. Uh, last time I looked, it's been a while since I've, I've seen that job done. I think it was about four grand, $4,500. You know, and okay, you still can't buy a car for seven, eight grand. But what does the rest of the car look like? How are the brake lines? I always look at brake lines. I always look at power window motors and, you know, what are the tracks? What's, what, what, what does the interior look like? The little things, the little nickel and dime chintzy stuff that will make you crazy driving the car. And, and, and that's got to be part of this picture. You know, and then last, what's the maintenance on the car? You know, it's, this is a perfect example. If we were at the shop. I tell you, Steve, let's do a $75 checklist. I call it the 7560. We're going to go through two pages, front-end brakes, tires, belts, hoses, maintenance levels, what fluids have been done, what fluids haven't been done, and what needs to be done. That way, you've got the whole picture. You're looking at the whole thing. You know, it's time to stick out your tongue and say, I'll let the doctor go, okay, here's what's wrong with you. And then at least, you know, you've got a fighting chance. Now, the other thing you've got to go back and look at is what hasn't been done. Did you buy the car new? No. Okay. No, that was a used product. All right. And what would you pay for it? Uh, well, you know what happened was is that I was on that recall with the Windstars. Remember that? With yeah. The oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so I got it uh, trading, and they gave, me double, uh, they gave me double blue book on the Windstar, and I drove that off the lot. So, so what would you pay for that, it? It was it was around 15. Uh, it was back in uh, 2004. Okay. You're done. Steve, you're done. It's it's 11 years old. It's 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 12 years old. You got your money out of it. Uh, I mean, look at the whole picture. But I think you're better off getting out and moving on. It's time. Hey, coming up next, Rich Mc, Rob McBride, Rob McBride from All Data. I'm Ron and Annie, the Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the Eating the Car Doctor. You know, I was telling the story first hour, and I want to I want to refresh your memory here in case you just knew you're just turning us on. Um, fellow walked into the shop this week, 2005 Ford Explorer, and he wanted me to put an alternator on the car. Ah, it's an alternator. I know it's an alternator. I've been driving 18 wheelers for a living, and I know, you know, like I know my truck, I know when a charging system needs an alternator. And I looked at him and I said, How do you know it's not the computer? And he looked at me and he said, why would it be the computer? Why would the computer have anything to do with it? Well, because in 2005, the charging system was controlled by 
the main engine computer, the PCM. And it made me realize, and I appreciate somebody trying to work on their vehicle, but it made me realize how critical the information that I take for granted that I use in product like all data every day is available for me, but it's also available for you. And I thought it would be refreshing, especially this time of year. You're running around trying to think of some last-minute gift ideas, and I'm trying to get information out to you. You know what? Let's go over and talk to the folks at All Data. I said it seems like a great idea. So let's uh, welcome aboard Rob McBride. He's an information specialist with the folks over at All Data, and we want to thank her for taking time out of the busy holiday season to be with us here today. Rob, welcome aboard, sir. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, you know, that guy with the 2005 Explorer, how surprised he was to find out that the charging system was, you know, controlled by the PCM. And, you know, is that the guy that needs all data, Rob? I mean, let me start the conversation here. Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think uh, it kind of depends, right? I mean, what kind of DIYer is he? If, if he's definitely somebody that uh, uh, likes to get his hands greasy and get in, get in there and, and has a good sense of electronics, he's going to get in there and look at all the DIY and get all the information he needs. Um, you know, there's plenty of guys out there that uh, all they can do is brakes and, and uh, change oil, and he's going to have to take it into a shop. But I think the guy who's DIY who wants to get his hands dirty and learn all the, the you know, everything from, from, from nuts to bolts all the way up to electronic components definitely is going to see some value in looking at all data. When, when, you, when you filter, I don't know if filter is the right word, but, you know, when I look at my all data product in the shop, and, you know, if I were to look up that 2005 Explorer and I look up the charging system and the wiring and the information – um, first of all, you know, when I look at that, and if he had a subscription to it and he looked at that, what is he seeing? What am I seeing that he's not seeing? Are we both seeing the same thing? Uh, yeah, you're seeing the same thing right now. I mean, we use OE information for both the DIY and the professional products. I think that the primary difference for the DIY is it's car specific. So you're only going to see the information specific to your vehicle. In your shop, you're going to see, you know, the 95% of vehicles on the road that are covered. Uh, but if you're a DIY, you're going to see just the vehicle for your, uh, the information for your vehicle. But outside of that, I mean, it's, it's no different than what you're seeing in the shop. It's, it's OE manufactured information. It's not reauthored data or anything else. Right. Does your, you know, you say OE information, Rob. You know, what does that cost you every year? Is, 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 is there a way to put a cost on that? Because it's got to be getting more expensive each and every year. The information, you know, the amount of information. I forget the analogy. I think something in 1975, it was 5,000 pages was the average. You know, if you had all the OE information available at the time in 75, it was 5,000 pages. Today, you know, I think we passed half a million pages annually about 10 years ago. I have no idea where we are today. But to put all that well, we into did, digital is is getting more expensive every year, correct? Absolutely correct. And in fact, uh, you know, one of the teams that I work with pretty closely uh, will tell you we put in two hundred and fifty thousand probably every quarter. So I mean, and that's just and that's not even all the information. I mean, there's more information out there to be done. So absolutely. And the cost of OE information, I mean, it's you know we we have uh, we're, we were the first to have a relationship with the uh, with the manufacturers to be able to put that in our product, and uh, and there's no doubt about it that everybody out there wants it, so it's, it's becoming a premium for everybody. Is it? Do you see the day where the OEs aren't going to share information with you, or are you just as big a part of their business model as you are as as, as you are theirs? You know, is it a, is it a is it a hand in hand relationship? Do you each need each other in a sense? Uh, well, it's kind of interesting you say that because there's a lot of trends going on right now. One of the trends we're seeing is that actually uh, a lot of the information we have today, they would like to have. You know, we, we, we obviously deal with 300,000 so, or so professional technicians plus another 150,000 DIY customers. And the reality is, is that we get a lot of information from that. We, we can see trends. We can understand which kind of components break down. There's stuff that the, the manufacturers would love to have from us. 
right now, uh, you know, with the Right to Repair Act and a couple of different places and that kind of gaining ground, I don't see an issue where, where they're not providing it. I think it probably becomes more available long term. Uh, but really, it's going to come down to, you know, how easy is it to get to, how easy is it to use, how expensive it is and all of that. It's, it's been my contention for forever. I mean, as long as I'm fixing cars and that's 43 years and I'm 26 on radio now that, you know, the OE manufacturers, the smart ones, the ones that want to sell cars help make information more available to, to guys like me, independent shops, and to DIY guys that want to try and fix their own car because they know that if, 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 if I can give you, the Ford vehicle owner, a good experience or if you, the Ford vehicle owner, have a good experience repairing it, chances are you're probably going to buy another one. And it, it, it kind of helps open up the, the, the tap of information. Do you think there's any validity to that? Uh, I think there is. I think there's kind of an interesting trend on the other side as well. I think more, more and more of the dealers and everybody are getting into selling uh, to fixing cars that are not just their cars. So it's kind of just benefiting everybody to have access to all of this information. Um, but I, I think it, I think you're right on in saying that obviously a car that lasts longer on the road is going to be something that's only going to benefit loyalty to the manufacturers. There's no doubt about that. Um, and we're seeing what around 12 years right now for the average vehicle right, on the yeah. road. So, yeah, they, they absolutely want to have vehicles that last longer, and they want to be able to, to, to claim that, and they can do that if cars last longer and can be fixed easier. So. And, they, and, that's, and that's skyrocketed. I remember as little as three years ago, average age of a car on the road was, was, was eight years. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's gone up 50% in the last three years because of the quality that the cars are made with today. The, the all-data DIY information, I know all-data has it, um, but the all data DIY, and maybe I should ask the question this way: that community of information that the professionals share, your forums that you that you control right. and monitor. Um, what sort of information do you pull out of that? And is that is that in the DIY product as well? It is not in the DIY product at all. In fact, we just did a major update to our professional product here on November first at the SEMA Apex Show, and and uh, it's getting released out kind of over the next couple of quarters to our professionals. And we're also going to be using a lot of those enhancements we did for the DIYer. One of those enhancements is specifically what you're just calling the, we call it community, which is this forum where we let all of our 300,000 technicians ask questions and answer questions. And we have internal master tech to answer questions. Today, that information is embedded in our product for professionals. Um, long term, we're doing two things for really DIYers, and that is allowing things that, uh, such as uh, visibility to some of that forum information, the, those, those common fixes, to, and, and helping with tips on diagnostics, but also uh, building out an app that allow people to be able to connect to the vehicle and get kind of what we call low-level diagnostics and be able to pull codes and see frame data as well. So lots of things coming for the DIY guide. But today, that only is available for the professional. The, the uh, car connectivity and the forum stuff is only special, uh, available for the uh, but, professional. But, but, but soon to be found in, in, in the DIY Yeah. The DIYer That's versions. a 2017 initiative. Um, yeah. Any idea, I don't know if you can answer this question. You know, I, I think of, so Ford gives you information on charging systems and it gets posted into the database. How many editors, how many writers, how many people are involved? You know, I'm trying to get it in my mind and I'm trying to present it to the listener. You know, how many people do you think you, um, uh, uh, how do you how do you bring it to market? Is, is there, is there you know, a thousand editors, a hundred editors? Um, 100 technical writers. What's the scope? You know, what does it take to bring this database to life like you do? Well, you know, there's a couple things about the product that we have in general is that, you know, we have a what we call a common taxonomy, just meaning we take all the manufacturers and we put it into one 
uh, kind of hierarchy so you can find the information quickly. So we have a whole group of people, about 20 people who do nothing but grab the information that we need and, and put it into that format. And then we have a whole other set of group that we call auto set it, which is just make sure it's applied to the right place in the database. So you're probably looking at altogether we have about 65 people that are working on it on full time. Wow. Just a, just a, you know, and, and the fact that it's, it just grows each and every year. It's just staggering. Well, listen, you guys do a great job. Um, you are the premier product on the marketplace. I think everybody enjoys using it that does. And if the listeners want more information, my contention is this time of year, if somebody's looking for that quick Christmas gift, that holiday gift, um, a DIY subscription is, is, is the perfect thing to go for that gearhead. Um, where can the listeners get more information, Rob? And, you know, just real quick, some costs involved. How does the subscription service work? Well, you can go to two places to find out more information. You can go to the main site, which is just uh, alldata.com, or you can go directly to alldataDIY.com. Um, and uh, on both those sites, you'll be able to get to, uh, to where you can buy the product and, and try it out. Uh, specifically, uh, right now, you can get a single vehicle for a full year for $26.95. And, you know, if you want to add your wife or your husband's on there, it's another $16.95. But we also offer a five-year deal where you can pay $44.95 for five years and add another vehicle for that for $29. So, you know, I think it's it's reasonable, right, considering what the cost out there to get a book and, and for what you can save on the long end for, well, for doing it yourself. And, and you know, I, I think if I bought a car today, I'd want to have a subscription just for the fact that at least I can see what recalls are coming out for it, and I can get the information as fast as the manufacturer may or may not show it to me, as well as TSBs that I'll never see. But that's a that's a conversation for another day. Those websites again, Rob, alldata.com, and what was the other one? alldataDIY.com. All right, perfect. Rob, I want to thank you for taking the time. I know you're real busy out there, and uh, we appreciate all that you do. You have yourself a good Merry Christmas. All right, sir? You, you too. Thank you for having me. You're Have very welcome. I'm Ron Anani in The Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black peel. Welcome back. We're on the the car doctor. I want to thank Rob McBride once again for all, from all data for taking the time. Get out to alldataDIY.com for more information. Let's get over and talk to John in New Hampshire, 85 Chevy, three-quarter ton pick-em-up truck and a gas tank problem. John, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Yeah, Ron, I've listened to you for a long time. Now we can't get you up here in New Hampshire, unfortunately. Uh, we, lost your, we lost your stations. But that doesn't make any difference. I know who you are. Right. Yep. Um what station, uh, what, station, what station was that, John, just out of curiosity? What's that? What station was that, by the way? Um, it was a Laconia, New Hampshire station. You'd have to have one of your, one yeah, of your guys. Yeah, one of the guys look into it. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I used to listen to you every Saturday. Okay. Religiously. Okay. Sure. Um, sort of. But anyway, um, been in the auto industry for 45 years, retired. Uh, I wasn't a mechanic. I was in the office, but I was always in the shop, and I always knew what the guys were doing. So I have just about enough knowledge to be dangerous. Okay. Uh, I get a, I get a 1985 Chevy K10 three quarter ton pickup truck. Right. Well, a K10 a K20 K20 is three quarter ton. Well, I think. 
Well, it may be a C20 then. Okay. Well, is it a, is it a two-wheel drive or a, a four-wheel drive? Four-wheel drive. Okay, so it's a K20 pickup. Yes. All right. And it has dual gas tanks. All right. And the dual gas tanks work when I when I bought it. Because I, I, I don't put it on the road. I use it as a plow truck. Okay. Um, that that system no longer works. In other words, there's a, there's a switch in the middle of the dashboard. When you push it up, it does one. It goes to one tank. You push it down. It goes to a second tank. Right. It allows it allows it to pull from either or one side or yeah. the other. Correct. Okay. Well now, well, now it's only pulling from one side. Okay. So my obvious question is is that what am I not being uh, super smart on the uh, diagnostics what would be my what would be my uh, route to try to figure out what the problem would be well, where it would lie the first thing I've got is did did the fuel tank selector switch was this the version that the face of the switch lit up at all showing it was no, to the left it, tank or right it was tank strictly a black switch Okay. Okay. There, there is a fuse in the under dash fuse block. Of course, back in '85, all we had was under dash fuse blocks. But there was a fuse in the under dash fuse block that, um, you know, did what it is that you're trying to do. It just powered that switch up. So that being said, I would just check if not memory serves me right. It was the ignition feed for a pink wire leading to the selector switch itself. If you have power there, if you can find the selector switch and see if you've got power coming in, power was on the pink, black would go over to the ground, and the light green, dark green was the switching valve at the bulkhead connector. Now, the fuel tank selector valve that the switch controlled had a habit of getting stuck, and we could talk about that, but you kind of got to get through the basics first. Let's go to the fuse box. Do we have power on the ignition fuse? Is the pink to the switch hot? And do we have signal coming out of the switch when we throw it either way? Think of a light switch that can be, or a light that can be controlled from a light switch at either end of the hall. And that's basically what you've got there. Um, do that and then give me a call back. Hey, coming up next, well, a holiday favorite from the car doctor. And um, stay tuned because uh, here it is. was the night before Christmas and all through the dark. Not a car was still broken. All the plugs had their spark. The wrenches were stashed all snug in their boxes while me by myself was having Christmas party leftovers, some bagels and loxes. When out from the lot there rose such a clatter, I sprang to my feet and yelled, hey, what's the matter? Now what to my bloodshot, tired eyes should appear but some crazy old guy one sleigh with reindeer. I winced and I cried, oh great, just one more. I'd rather sit back and have a cup of tea and some s'mores. He approached the front door with a smile so bright, I quickly unlocked it and turned back on the office light. Excuse me, kind sir, but I'm having some trouble. The left runner on my sleigh has started to wobble. The balance is wrong and it pulls to the right. The reindeer are working too hard this cold night. 
I have so much to do and no time left to do it. Do you think that you could? Well, please get right to it. Without saying a word, I went to work right away. Too bad the alignment machine had no specs for a sleigh. Meanwhile, the reindeer were prancing around. That Rudolph and Comet, what a couple of clowns. In a matter of moments, time 1.2, the runner was straight and the alignment done too. I helped him load up all the presents but one. He left it to pay me. For cash, he had none. I hope it's from Snap-on, a half-inch drive air gun. He started the sleigh by merely calling their names on Dasher and Dancer, Donner and Blitzen. Get up off your butts, Rudolph Comet and Vixen. It started to idle and float in the air. Then Rudolph lit up the sky with his nose extraordinaire. And I heard him exclaim, this could have been quite a mess. The car doctor rings true. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're really priceless. May your days be merry.